It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Your host, James Golden, Mr. Snurdly, are with you. For all three hours, you may join us, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Monday through Friday, of course, we are here at 4 o'clock, and we have an hour to spend with you today. We can stretch out a little bit. And we do stretch out on Saturdays. Uh, near halfway during the program, we're going to do our morning dance, which uh, we instituted a few weeks ago. Everyone here and at our studios participates. And uh, I think, Diego, you led the morning dance last week with YMCA. I wonder whose turn it is this week. It may have rotated back to me. So we shall see. Avery uh, still hasn't done it. Avery hasn't done it. Oh, baby. This ought to be good. Avery's going to pick the morning dance song, and Avery's going to lead us in the dance. Okay, that comes up near halfway through the show. Um, There is so much political news, but guess what? (gasps) Yawn. I mean, we are on like day what? Day day seven of the Trump indictment story. It happened last Saturday when we were on the air um, about eight o'clock, shortly after eight o'clock. Danny came in with breaking news and said, hey, you know, this Trump is saying he's going to be arrested. And from there, the story took off. We are now in day seven. No indictment has been made. The grand jury took off the last two days. Donald Trump is going to be hosting um, a rally in Texas, even though this is looming and he's got a lot of other troubles. And you know what? I'm everything that can be said about the Trump arrest or impending arrest slash indictment has been said. I think almost. And, of course, there was yesterday Death and Destruction Day when Donald Trump said, I think he says this stuff sometimes just to get a rise out of people. And, of course, the left went nuts, nuts. Hakeem Jeffries, you're going to cause somebody to get killed. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Not happening. And there are so many other things in the news and so many other things to discuss. Of course, Derek Hunter, we are waiting for Derek Hunter to join us. And um, I want to take a different tact with with Derek this week. We usually talk about political stuff, but I have some stories I've been holding. Oh, Scott has some good stories for you this morning, folks. Well, they're your stories. You're having me read them. I'm having you do them because I... I I... I'm not taking credit for these stories. (laughs) Oh, man, yesterday we had an amazing call from a physician who's just one of the most beautiful people I've ever heard on the on the air. Um, and, and we talked about the new 
measure in New York City that will perhaps ban discrimination by size, by your weight and your height. And that is certainly something I'd like to continue to talk about today. I don't know if you haven't seen one of the more disgusting stories of the morning. One of these little Cretan criminals, 17 years old, this little thug slammed a woman who is now paralyzed, an Asian woman, in Houston's Chinatown. He's in jail. He was released on the recordings from his phone calls in jail. This little thug miscreant explains that we were snatching purses. I hopped out, snatched the purse. The lady ran with the money. I grabbed her, slammed her, and she was paralyzed. And then he starts to complain about her. The lady probably wants justice and some more SH. I'm assuming it's it's an expletive. They'll try to max me out at 20 years, basically. That's BS. I ain't going for it. The B.I.O.C. already ran up 230000 off GoFundMe. Biatch better run on with her life. Like blank. You done run up 230000 Look, they say she ran up 230000 She'll be back walking in less than a year. Now, this guy was let out on reduced pay. No remorse at all. I'm entitled to go steal people's stuff. I'm entitled to paralyze somebody. And then he's pissed off because the woman actually is has a GoFundMe after she was paralyzed by him. And he's in jail for this, even though his bond was reduced, because that's, of course, what Democrats everywhere do, make sure the criminals can get back on the streets with as few problems as possible. According to records, this little thug, 17 years old, his bond was initially set at $200,000, but was lowered to $100,000 after he paralyzed this woman. He was charged in a robbery case just more than a week later. Another robbery case, and that bond was also lowered from $40,000 to $30,000. These Democrats... These liberals with their, their their affinity for criminals, it is mind-boggling. I do not understand it. And then this little thug, someone they need to he ain't gonna go for it if they max him in jail for 20 years. This this is one of the ones that needs to be maxed in jail. 20 years barely enough. A threat to society. Oh, I'm sorry. My language police. The, the my, my language police person has just checked in. Debbie said I should not have used the term "pissed off." I should have just said I was upset. I'm sorry. I was upset by it. It really upsets me. Thank you, Debbie. Now, this woman, this 24 year old, this 24, this woman. Suffered broken ribs, 
a fractured spine. She's paralyzed from the waist down. Can you imagine the agony that she's in? All because this cretin. And I wish there was some other word that I could use that adequately that adequately would would reveal the disgust I have for this human vermin. This vermin criminal doesn't have any. Oh, she'll probably be up walking around in a year. She raised two hundred thirty grand on on GoFundMe. He's upset that the woman that he paralyzed, that people actually cared enough about her to try to help her from his vicious attack. These are the kind of vermin that are parading around the streets of New York. Every day. And every other blue city. Thank you, Democrat Party. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. It is Aretha Franklin's birthday today, heavenly birthday. So you know we're going to be having some re. We also have a ticket giveaway today. Morning dance today. America's small caffeinated mom later in the show. And Derek Hunter, the one, the only, the legendary broadcaster, author, podcaster. Humanitarian, philanthropist, Derek Hunter, coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and Scott has got some amazing news stories for you. So stick around, we've got it. And morning dance, so much stuff right here. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes takes us in. Stay right there. Keep it right there on WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Aretha brings us back. This still rocks. You know, Ree was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? Like you, like you, she saved your life at Nam or something. I don't think that you're. Uh... Well, that's what people. That's they, 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 they re, Rita that's... Franklin, re, the Queen, re. What? Okay. Queen re. I didn't realize she saved your life. Though. Well, she didn't save my life. That well, in a way, I mean, maybe she did. Yeah. <laughs> 
Man, I used this. This record still rocks. It does. I affectionately refer to her as Urethra Franklin. Blasphemous, of course. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. <laughs> oh, Derek. Uh, you know what, Derek? I'm so sorry. I, I I don't know whether you are or not. I am. I am. I am tired of the story of the imminent arrest. Mm. It's it's been like a week already. I it's like it broke about five minutes after we got off the phone last week. Right. Exactly. And I thought, huh, interesting. And then I, uh, look, I don't make everybody mad, but why not? It's Saturday morning. That's what I do. It's why I make the little bucks. Um, <laughs> it, it immediately sucked out all the oxygen out of the air of everything. There was a story last week, believe it or not, about the Biden family receiving a couple million bucks from uh, China. And where yes. did that money go? It was. Did you see anything about that? No, it wasn't reported no. on because Donald Trump fundraised off of. They're coming to take me away, haha! On Tuesday, and then they didn't, and then they didn't. Now, there's no reason on God's green earth that Donald Trump would have had that information if it were true. Not a single human being inside Donald Trump's inner circle has come out and said this was true. They were ready and, it, and all these horrible things. They all said, uh, no, I haven't heard anything about that. And yet he immediately pivoted along with a whole bunch of paid trolls on social media to go, why hasn't Ron DeSantis defended me? Why hasn't Ron DeSantis immediately condemned these sorts of things? What kind of an idiot waits to find out whether or not something's true before they, <laughs> to find out whether or not they've got any cards before they shove all their chips into the center of the table. This is an outrage. Please give us money. And it worked. It, the, the, the story became DeSantis's response to a certain extent, not with normal people, but with people who are engaged in politics. And the story became, he's, what an outrage it has. Fox News spent all week condemning Alvin Bragg over something as history's greatest monster for something he didn't do. And MSNBC carved him into the mountainside for something he didn't do. And we have no idea. The case is, what's amazing is both sides are making an argument that the case was really weak. And uh, the case is incredibly weak, which is probably why it's unlikely to happen. But that was never the point. Media news became wild speculation about a rumor that an involved and interested party started rather than what actually happened. Is pretty disgusting, the whole thing on behalf of the media. Wow. Am I wrong? I'm not. I'm, no, you're not. I'm, and I'm, I'm telling you today, I actually want to talk about other things. Hmm. And, and they're not politics per se. All right. Let me give you one, Derek. And I, I want to get your reaction to some of these things and see what you think. Do you ever eat Skittles? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of doing the no sugar thing right now, but I have eaten Skittles. They're not my favorite, but they're fine. All right. Uh, hey, crew, have you guys ever eaten Skittles? It's the same thing. I, 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 they're fine. I don't, they're not my favorite. All right. Now, usually when I see something from California that they want to ban something, 
my first reaction is my knee jerks up and it just says all these damn California. I'm sorry, Debbie. These darn California. Doggone. Yeah, these doggone California. Cartoons where these rootin' tootin', fruitin', rasputin' Californians. Right. There they go again. But lawmakers in California now want to ban chemicals in rainbow candies and rainbow processed foods, including Skittles, Nerds, which I've never had, Hot Tamales, which I've never had. They're going after the icing that people use on cakes and also Strawberry Nesquik, which I never wanted. Now, what, all you got to do is tell the the your Democrat, local Democratic lawmaker that you're trying to make a pride flag out an edible pride flag, <laughs> and then you'll you'll get a free pet. And I'm sure there'll be a carve out in there. But this is this is but this is the thing though. So I'm going through the story, and then they're saying, okay, they want to ban red dye number three out of out of foods. Red dye number three. Titanium dioxide, potassium bromate, brominated vegetable oil, or proparaphernalia. <laughs> Can I just say that um, you should probably limit the intake of things you can't pronounce in your diet, especially your no. children's diet? <laughs> That's and, what and, I wanted to ask you. And anything so, that involves something that sounds like somebody <laughs> took a bar of steel and melted it down and, and put it in your food, you should probably limit that. That being said, I'm not sure government needed What we need is, is better parents. Well, wait a minute. No, because this is the question that I... Okay, so you've already... Wait, you said government shouldn't do it. This is now, already banned in Europe, is it not? Yes. That's what I'm starting to under... That's why... Some of these things are already banned in the EU. Now, of course, EU are a bunch of freaking... If the EU jumped off a bridge, would you jump off the bridge, too? Right. (laughs) A bunch of rootin' tootin' liberals over there in the the EU as well. But at the same time, do these guys actually... Of course, do they have a point? Should this kind of stuff... Would I go to a salad bar with the whole... Hey, don't forget to add extra bromide number seven or whatever the heck it is. No, I wouldn't eat that, and I would limit my children's access to it, but it's... it's, There are a lot of things that sound horrible that are relatively harmless. There are a lot of things that are relatively harmless that if you sat there and sucked down a, a double gulp of it, it would kill you. So you've got to be smart. There comes a point where there's personal responsibility. Now, if you show me that the, a normal trace amounts of this, like cyanide, you can't say, well, there's just a tiny amount of cyanide. Oh, okay. If it's deadly like that, if you can show me a direct correlation, then fine. But if you have to slurp down an elephant-sized amount of it in order to have problems, well, if you if you drank a swimming pool, you'd die. So, I mean, there has to be a little bit of common sense and personal responsibility. The problem is that Democrats don't allow for any of that ever under any circumstances, mostly because they need to be seen as doing something else other than what they really want to do is, you know, like codify in law 
the ability to physically butcher the bodies of children. They don't want to talk about that. Think of them as the guys in Times Square at 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's wandered drunkenly through Times Square. It's not just me, right? 3 o'clock in the morning. You've got the three-card money set up. The guy's doing the three-card money. The guy doing the three-card money is never silent. The guy is in there just going, okay, please. Not, never, you know, quiet, very uh, whisper-spoken, going, just find the Red Queen and it's all good. No, he's big and bold and, and high-fiving people and flopping around. You think he's almost having a seizure he's involved in so much. And it's all because he wants to distract you from what's really going on. That's what Democrats are doing. They want to distract you from what they're really doing, so they throw in things like this every once in a while. It's not that it's not important. It's not maybe that it's not to be done. I don't have read the science on it. But ultimately, it's something that certainly isn't necessary or not a top priority of government. It should be a top priority of parents. I would, I'm responsible for what my kids eat. Sadly, it is mostly sugar, but it's just... <laughs> Straight up chocolate. It's straight up. I got to bribe them. Take a poop, you get a, a Hershey's bar. They eat a broccoli stalk, you get a Hershey bar. If I could melt the chocolate and pour it on the broccoli, I'd do it. But it's it's that sort of thing where you... like Skittles is going to exist. I wish they would... There's a lot of things that we shouldn't do. And there's a lot of things that we can do that we necessarily shouldn't do. And if you're going to eat sugar sugary crap and candy it should be with real sugar i don't like the idea personally of let me pour this packet of chemicals that have been bound together to taste like sugar uh that i can't pronounce when there's real sugar sitting there it's probably best not to have any of it but i don't think we need government to protect us from it unless there's a direct correlation of if you take this you will die okay let's move on new york city waitress now this story i just uh, New York, this is in the New York Post today, is complaining miserably about the Euro weenies, the, 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 the European tourists. I saw Be her. She got a decent, I mean, it's a $700 tab. She got a 10% tip. She got she's, a 10% tip, and yeah. she's B.I. itching to high heaven. Yeah. She Look, effing it. hates, she effing hates 10% tip from tourists. The tourists are are horrible because they only gave her a 10% gratuity. There's her a name is Madison Tate. Ten, there's a certain point at which 10% is pretty nice, right? You know? Someone gives you a $70 tip after they spent $700 and you're complaining? You, you deserved 20%? I have been... At, now, I don't know the restaurant, and I've been a waiter. And if I, w I was a waiter at a place called Olga's, where the sandwiches were like seven bucks. Olga's? So if I have a, a $7 or a $700 tab when I was there, I was making 3,000 trips to that table, back and forth. And then I would absolutely have wanted more than 10%. But if it is seven $100 steaks, it's not that much labor. Now, granted, we base tips largely on the amount of money, but it should also be the amount of um, labor brought into it. I always feel weird. I, I go, I used to love to, now I'm on a, I'm on a diet and going to the gym every day, but I, I used to love going, yeah, I, uh, I used to love going to buffets. 
because I hated having to pick. There's nothing worse than going to a restaurant you don't know and you go, I'll have this, I guess. And then you order something and then it's gone. And then you see somebody else next to you at the table, at a different table, get something. You're like, God, I wish I would have ordered that. I didn't even see that on the menu. <laughs> I like the buffet because you don't have to uh, choose. You can have all of it, just a little bit of each and try it. And then you can go back and get more of what you like. But there are servers there. I go, we've gone to Golden Corral. And they, ah, uh, the and Golden they, Corral. Yeah, and they always, you're supposed to tip. Why? Because the waitress, the waitstaff comes and they take your empty plates away eventually. They're not. That's what the they're spot. supposed wait, to wait, do. No, 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 I know. But they okay. also, they get you your drink. You, you're not okay. allowed to get your drink. Oh, you, would you like another Coke? Yeah, I'll take another Coke. You want more water? Yeah, I'll take more water. Oh, my God. And they, you've already paid up at the front, so you got to bring cash to tip which it's stupid. They should probably make that somehow part of the the price. But you're expected to tip. Now, is somebody coming along and just grabbing your empty plate? Not all that frequently, but occasionally when the table's overflowing with five people's old plates or getting you more water, is that worth 15 or 20%? I usually tip 20 to 30%, depending on how it is. Uh, I'm not going to fancy steakhouses. But... It, it, you have to take all these things into consideration. So if if you had to make a thousand trips to the table because it's one person ordering a, a whole bunch of inexpensive things, uh, small plates, and you had to run back and forth, then yeah, you gotta you made that person do a lot of work. You were kind of a pain in the butt. Tip them well. But if it's you just come along and you clean or you 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 uh, you maybe didn't make that many trips. Maybe she wasn't a very good server. Maybe she didn't give very good service at this table. Whatever it is, no, they don't deserve 20%. They don't deserve, What I find annoying is it used to be 15% was standard. You move the decimal one and then cut it in half and add it back in, and you're done. Now it, they give you that pre-pended thing where it's, would you want 20%, 22%, 25%? <laughs> what happened to 15%? I'm not saying hey. I go 15%, but hey, I don't want the restaurant yeah. to make that decision for Bo. me. Well, what's up, Avery? Avery yeah. wants to jump in on this. Enough of that nonsense. Hey, you do not tip. You don't tip at Golden Corral. I, I would let you get by until you say Golden Corral. No, you yeah. do. You, you, you the, don't the lady tip runs at around. Golden you just leave a couple of bucks. You don't have to tip 15%. What lady? What the lady, lady runs around? The lady comes around and gives you, you. You don't get your own beverages at Golden Corral, at least the one near here. And the plates Where are you? disappear. I am in Frederick, Maryland. Maryland? Yeah. They, they got Golden Corrals in Maryland? They got Golden Corrals everywhere. All right, well, everywhere. The, the ones that I, kind of quality? The ones I went to down or were down south, and they were the real ones. Mm. And you do not tip at Golden Corral. You get there. You go, you you run to the table, drop your stuff off, and then you run to the meat section, then you run to the vegetable section. <laughs> you don't run to the vegetable section. Nobody runs to the, the vegetable. Now the I'm calling BS. I'm throwing the challenge flag the ice, on you. Man. The ice cream, the, the soft serve ice cream is always broke. Yeah. The the dessert is always <laughs> bad. The, like the the, the, the when pe- the ice cream machine does work, it's an unnatural color, and you're like the peach can, can ice cream go rotten? Like yeah. what the hell? The, the peach, the peach, co- the, the peach cobbler was always bought at the corner store, like so. You don't go there for dessert. You go there for you the go meat. there for the meat. The you meat. go for the charred animal. Yes. Don't tell me you like go there oh, for yeah, the meat. The corn was particularly good I, tonight. Nobody's I hate, ever said that. I hate to cut. I hate when the meat cutter tries to give me two slices. I'm like, look, let work with me and I'll work with you. Do you want to be having? You want to see my face twenty times or not? 
They did. They're really cheap about it. They give you the oh, it's a sirloin steak. Here's here's one. Yeah. You can cut it into three bites. Like, this, I don't care. I don't. I don't want to see you again. This is Golden Corral. I want a pile of it. Give this me go, a pile this, this of it. This is Golden Corral, not Shayon Ree. Stop <laughs> acting like this is a a, a two hundred dollars meal. This is a fourteen ninety nine meal. Just keep cutting until I tell you to stop. Well, I've been to restaurants for brunch buffets that were nice, where they actually, the carving stage, you can carve yourself out. Carve yourself. And And, and at Golden Corral, they don't leave the knife laying around because somebody will stab somebody. As far as those other restaurants you were talking about, look, I have sympathy to a certain point for the waitresses and the waiters, but if you're making a lot of tricks back and forth to my table, wear sneakers. So you're just cheap is what you're saying. You're trying to say you're cheap. Yes. Do you over tip when you're on a date? Do you at least try to look like you're Mr. Big Spender then? On the date? Yeah. Uh, or are you the guy who throws down, I'll put down two 20s, and then when she walks away, you grab that I'll, 120 back. And I round like, it up. I round it up on the date. If it's 45, I'll, I'll pay 50. If it's, <laughs> like, I'll round it up. All right. Uh, now, can Saturday we talk morning, about great. everywhere wanting tips? You go to like a Seven Eleven. There's a tip jar on there. You go to the ice cream store, get a one cone, and like you swipe your card. Now, would you like to add a forty percent tip? No, I don't. No, I don't. Just let <laughs> that's me go. another thing. Now they automatically take it out and they I show you. I want it everywhere. Or the grocery store. Do you want to donate money to? Ch- no, I just want my sandwich. You look on your receipt. They tell you we you. already took it out. So now they want to tip on top of the automatic tip well, they already well, took out of the bill. On a paper balloon and hang it on the door. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, no, don't talk to me uh, about this. We have to go. James Golden. <laughs> you want a double any waitress, tip? Any waitresses or waiters out here this morning? 800-848-WABC. Tip your servers. We're coming right back. Don't go away. You got to get home. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. And I used to work for tips, too. I used to shine shoes. That was my very first job. Go get your shine box. I had a shine box. Bet you did. You know, and guess what? If someone gave me a tip, I was grateful. I didn't whine about the size of it. Aren't you sick of like the, the hey uh, tips appreciated jar sitting on there on the counter everywhere and Absolutely. every time you use your credit card like do you want to add a tip and it, like you have to sit there and go can this person spit on anything that I have if they making me food can they spit? like you, you I'm all for tipping if somebody does something for you but if it's just a matter of you brought the stuff up to the counter give me a break exactly all right let's move on to art all right. A principal, did you hear about this story, Michelangelo's date, uh, David? Have you seen this story? I've I've seen headlines. I didn't read it. I tend to. Okay, this is just. penis stories. Okay. (laughs) The principal of a Tallahassee is called Tallahassee Classical, Tallahassee Classical School. It's a charter. Mm Mm-hmm. The principal was forced to resign. Sixth grade art students were shown were shown images of Michelangelo's David. 
and some parents went absolutely batched, uh, 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 doggone crazy <laughs> because they saw this. And we all, most of us that actually know something about anything, have seen images of the Michelangelo statue. Yes. Why, yes, he's got his widget showing. It's a nude statue. Complete with the widget. It's it, okay. No, it, it, it's it's not his. It's a he. This thing is a statue. It's not a person. So it's okay. Not, it's, got a, say, it's got a. It's got a. If there's a dude walking around widget. eating an apple or whatever, or with a, a blanket over his shoulder with his uh, his unit hanging out, sure, yeah. But this is a a piece of art. It is an inanimate object. It is an inanimate object. It's. It's different. If it were a photograph of a person, okay, you could have a problem with it. But this is a work of art. It is a gigantic sculpture. It and is one of the most famous works of art in history. Yes, there's that. And I guess what happened was they expected these complaining, B.I.Aching parents expected that they would get a letter alerting them that their child would actually have to see a statue that that was a statue of a naked man. Now, have you oh, seen I- interviews or any direct quotes from the parents themselves? Because I'm rather curious if these are real human beings or these are like the people who are going after the guy who owns Masterpiece Cakes all the time. The professional offended class, well, if you won't let me show Robert Maplethorpe photographs, then I'm going to complain about michelangelo's david and give you a big dose of your own medicine or whatever the people who just decide to stir the pot i don't know that that's true but it wouldn't surprise me to be honest with you know i hadn't even thought about that derek this could all be kind of a interest yes i don't know but i just found it amazing that they would actually fire a teacher at a classical school for showing one of the greatest pieces of classical art in history Well, it's absurd. We have a society like offend being a victimhood is the Bitcoin on the left. Everybody wants a piece of it. And now it's it's sort of metastasizing into the culture in general where normal people are doing that. You're you're sitting there and and you want to find something to be offended by. It allows you to feel seen, to, to be catered to in something ridiculous. It's there was a time, believe it or not, when there was a line, a very important line, and I did write about this in my book, a line between famous and infamous. And that line was pretty important, right? You didn't want to be infamous. Everybody kind right. of, one way or another, wanted to be famous. But then it got obliterated. It got obliterated right around the time, I believe, that Paris Hilton's sex tape came out, right? That would have, five years earlier, would have caused someone to go into hiding and be really embarrassed. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. But she monetized it. She became famous. And then along came the Kardashians and said, well, there's a business model to follow in there. And so they did it. And then the whole family got famous. I got how many billionaires made out of that family from one sex tape, which people forget at the time. I think the guy's name was Ray J that she was in, the, Kim Kardashian was in that tape with. He was the famous one. She was the, the OJ lawyer's daughter. Now she's a billionaire. Tasted Men hasn't really improved all that much, but she's now a billionaire. <laughs> and now it has become, ju- and thanks to social media or anti-social media, it is just get 
attention. Famous, infamous, doesn't matter. Just get attention. Well, you can strip naked, slather yourself with feces, and go to the middle of an intersection and yell at cars as they go past. You'll get attention. It's not good. There's something wrong with that person. But if your buddy films you while you'll do it, there's a good chance you'll go viral. And so people do it anyway. There's a sickness in this country that is just get attention. Victimhood is the easiest, fastest, lowest calorie way to get attention. But at some point, the parents have to come along and just pat you on the head and say, shut up. And we don't do that as a society. We see that on college campuses where they're ready to burn down buildings and shout down, ironically screaming at the top of their lungs, this is what democracy looks like so that someone can't be heard, which is decidedly not what democracy looks like. And the administration goes, well, we have to allow them to have their free speech rights. It is, uh, it's a dangerous path, but it's, it's mostly out of our own stupidity uh, with lacking the adult to come in and pat you on the head and maybe smack you upside the head and go, knock it off, grow the hell up. And so you end up with these state legislators. Did you see the state legislator out in Minnesota, the headline here from the UK Daily Mail, transgender lawmaker from Minnesota wins USA Today's Woman of the Year. I for, saw that. For the state. Now, this person is 41 years old. The dude looks like he's about 60. There's some serious, I don't know. I would just say that there's beers, beer cans in the in this guy's wake. But he's 41 years old. He's got that cotton candy pink hair which most women actually, those girls stop around 12 or 13 years old. I'll give you up to 25 to have blue or green or pink hair. But at that point, you've got to move on into adulthood. But these people, these, I look at me, I'm trans people, are have arrested development to the point that a 41-year-old dyes their hair pink, gets 81% of the vote. So it's hard to feel sorry for like, because you know this person isn't going to be an effective legislator. He's got sentences tattooed on his forearms, but he got 81% of the vote because everybody could feel how brave and woke they were for voting for them. And now this person is a hero. And somewhere in Minnesota, there's a woman going, you know what? I, I set the record for whatever, but I'm not woman of the year. On the plus side, though, James, we've closed the wage gap. We, we can close the wage gap in one quick second. We just have... Elon Musk declare himself to be gender fluid. And whenever it comes up, he says, nope, today I'm a woman. We've successfully closed the wage gap permanently. I love it. And we can just move on from there. Right. I mean, if womanhood and being a woman means nothing. Being a woman doesn't mean anything right now. Like the wind, like the tide. Why not? Just get Elon on board. I'm sure he'd be on board. And we've closed the wage gap and we could stop hearing about it. James Golden, a.k.a. Sternly. When we get back, and I'm going to give you a, um, I'm going to give you a preview of what I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about trains. Weird, right? Trains. Yeah. I want to ask you about trains. Trains in America. Oh, okay. did you see that? They had to take off. What was that? What's that kitty thing? You would know this. I don't know that. That that uh, choo-choo train for kids. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, yeah. Someone posted um, on on social media. The, the Thomas the Thing threatening kids that he's going to kill them. And they had to... T- <laughs> <laughs> huh. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley here on WABC. 
We're coming back. Don't go away. Back right after this. It might not be the right time, but there's something about... Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. MJ on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio. With me is author, columnist, radio host, philanthropist. You like that? Big tipper. (laughs) Big tipper humanitarian. (laughs) Potential organ donor, although on the fence on that one, but still. Okay, I want to ask you about trains. Remember back in the time when they, we thought that Billy, that Michael Jackson could have been the father of a child? Those were good times. Yes. I believe that was a possibility. That didn't involve he a test is. tube. He is. That didn't involve children. a test tube or the help. Oh. Well. Well, his kids there's that. Out, his kids turned out great. This is just, just going great over there with the Jacksons. <laughs> Come on, don't pick on the kids. Come on. What are you talking? They're the perfect example of the attention people that I'm talking about. Just marinating the money and let it go, all right? You're not you're not your dad. Be thankful for that. You can go to an elementary school if you want to. Without in... notifying parents in the neighborhood. <clears throat> anyway, trains. The, uh, the Thomas trains. the Tank Engine's gonna kill the lot of you. That's it. I'm like, what the <laughs> My children watch an inordinate, uh, like, I'm a, a neglectful parent. I just throw them in the tub with an iPad and let them sit there all day and stew in their own juices. So I'm sure they've been threatened by Thomas the Tank Engine. Th- I, I, I'm kind of mad I found out this late to the game because now it's been pulled from YouTube. But I kind of want to see demonic, as it's described, Thomas the Tank Engine say, I'm going to kill a lot of you. That's- that one, because other the show is pretty insufferable. Otherwise, there's a little spice in there. You can't really have trains getting busy, so you know violence <laughs> is the only thing you can really bring to spice it up. Let's do this thing. <laughs> I would love, I would love to have like all the the cartoons we loved as a kid, and then like get HBO involved in this to go like, well, nobody's really doing much with Scooby Doo. Let's do the real filthy Scooby Doo. Let's do the filthy Jetsons. Let's let's see what uh, is going on there when Jane's at home, uh, what Rosie's all about, or whatever. I would love to just do the absolute filthy Flintstones or something. Come on, Hanna Barbera's not exactly rolling in the dough anymore. They license it for the right fee. <laughs> you know, Derek, I'm just waiting. This may happen just because you said it. I want. I just want all an right. EP credit and just a little bit of a taste of the back end. Have you ever been on the auto train? Uh, what do you mean the auto train? I don't know what an auto train There's a train are. that runs from Sanford, Florida. It stops in Virginia. You oh, can, that you, the train you take when you bring your when you brought your car. No, I have not I have thought about it because the in-laws live in Florida and I hate hate flying. But it's way too expensive. You rich guys who take the auto train, I can't. It's not rich. That. You actually, it, it's, it's, if you're willing to sit in coach, it's reasonable. Mm. If you want your own room, okay, you got to pay a little bit more. But here's why I'm asking. There's a story today in uh, the Amazon Prime Washington Post that goes through what, um, what it's like 
the the plant that's building the fastest passenger trains in America. Mm. That would be the Acela. The Acela yeah. runs from you know, New, from New York down to D.C. Now it goes up to it's Boston. A, it's, uh, taking it to Boston. That's right too. to Boston. To Boston, right? And now yeah. it was built to reach speeds of 186 miles an hour, but it, most of the time tops out at 160, just in little small stretches because. Our train tracks were built 180 years ago, and there's pretty much been no work on trains. Right. On the, and so this led me to think about this. Again, may sound a little bit liberal, but I'm stretching out it mm-hmm. Saturday. In Europe, they have supposedly the best trains in the world, and not just Europe. China Japan. has all the Japan, Japan has Japan. all these. Right. What is why? I would think that if we had, like, auto trains that you could just put on your car, let's say, I want to go to Texas, and I want to take my own car, that we could do that. What, what high-speed See trains? the Why USA we have... Chevrolet, James. That's the real reason that we uh, don't have this. Is I would agree. I'd like to go and down to Florida and just drive the car up there. And I'd love an airlines with those giant military planes where you drive your car into the plane and then you fly down there and you stay in your car and then you drive out. Um, we love our cars. We have a highway system that uh, makes up for it. The, the train tracks themselves, the physical metal tracks are not so old that they can't accommodate a train. Obviously they're accommodating an Acela. The problem is that they were designed, the layout of them were designed for trains that go much slower. So there are curves in them. The European bullet trains, which I've taken too, are they're long straightaways where you can really get up to 200 miles an hour because you're not going to be turning. The problem, all the train derailments happen either when the trains, when the tracks break or they go too fast around a curve. That's why they have to lower the speed. It's kind of too late. In the only place where Amtrak is profitable, which is the northeast corridor between D.C. and Boston, to redo that in any timely fashion or cost-effective way because you'd have to literally just forget all the tracks as they exist, draw new track lines, eminent domain or purchase everything to make those tracks to accommodate a speed train or, you know, build a tunnel the whole way, those sorts of things. That Now, out west... Where the Buffalo Rome, you've got all sorts of space. You could do it much easier. But we do like the idea. Look, I, I don't like to go out. On, I know a couple of people with, with boats, small boats, not the luxury yachts that you're used to, but small boats. And they're always bugging me in the summer. Hey, come out. We'll go out on the Chesapeake Bay. We'll go out on a boat. We'll go. And I always say the same thing. No, no way, no how. Now, why? They're having a party on the boat. Don't you want to go? No, I don't because I'm stuck there. All right. If it's a five hour party and after hour two, I'm done. They're not going to bring the boat in to let me go. So I'm stuck there for three hours being miserable. If I go somewhere in a car, I can go at my own pace. I can go on side trips. I tour. I drove from Detroit to San Diego and back when I was a kid with my parents. We went through the south there and the north and the way back. We saw every tourist trap. Uh, along the way, every national park, everything, we were gone for a month. It was awesome. But you can't do that if you've got to, well, our train leaves at this time. And, oh, our, we've, we're only going, we're passing this city where there's no stop. You can't do that. We love our freedom. I'm not saying there's not a market for a train and things couldn't change over time. But right now, 
that market we love cars. to it exists is very small because we love our independence. That's Derek Hunter, America's last guest host, philanthropist, author, humanitarian, and you can catch him at Town Hall. Derek, thanks for being with us. Thank we'll you, talk James. with you next Saturday. Yep. James Golden, A.K. Snow, coming back. Our number duo coming up. And your calls. Don't go away if you're on hold. Be right back. I, 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 these reports. I do. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And I, I don't know a thing about M- March Madness. I've been hearing March Madness, March Madness ever since I've been in radio. And even before, March Madness. Mar- I've never watched the March Madness well, I don't care about college basketball. I don't watch amateur sports. I barely watch professional sports anymore. March Madness. The Sacramento San Diego team won against the, the Alabama Trojans and the condom giveaways. I don't know. I don't care. I don't know what brackets are. I don't care what brackets are. I don't care who wins a freaking college basketball game. Ever. Oops, I'm sorry. Yeah, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. I don't. Boring. I don't know. I mean, it's okay. this is what I'm going to spend my time with, watching a bunch of kids play basketball? No, thank you. I I mean, I used. you know what's fun, though? I used to like, you ever go by West 4th Street? Remember when they used to, the, the, before, I guess now, all the basketball courts have been taken over by pickle pickleball. Or whatever that thing is, but um, but it used to be fun to watch some of the street players play ball in um in in New York in the summertime. You see some you see some guys that were really good, and you don't have to stay for an hour. You can just watch them for like five minutes and then go about your business. Go get a falafel for my moods or something, you know. Um, anyway. Uh, your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9. And I know there are a lot of people that like basketball. Obama was big with the whole brackets and everything. Yeah, Danny oh. in the other room looks kind of offended right now. I'm sorry, Danny. I'm a huge <sighs> basketball guy, man. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, I understand how it can get frustrating with a 64-team tournament. I mean, you have to be really into it to really follow it. It can get confusing with... I mean, there's four regions, there's four number one seeds, and you don't know which seed is the top overall seed and What's what upsets seed? matter. It's a, What's so, a seed? If, so when you make a tur- when they make it sounds the, like sperm. What's a seed? Like you're the one seed, you're the top overall team in the bracket or in the region. So Alabama was not only the one seed in their region, they were the overall number one team in the tournament, and they lost to San Diego State. The Aztecs, first team in their conference to make the Elite Eight, First time they've ever made the Elite Eight in school history, so it was a huge upset. This I don't a- understand <laughs> any of this. Yeah, it's it's somebody's it's, uh... sperm went to the top of the seed pack, and then they won the <laughs> the, 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 the 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 bracket. Not and quite. then the first end of the bracket, sixty four seeds are all comparing to try to get to the ovum. I don't understand <laughs> this. It's uh. It's... <laughs> Not quite that, not quite that, but I understand it's, 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 it's a, you know, there can only be one winner, you know, there's 60, there's 64 teams, 68 if you count the first four, 
So it's it's a big race to the Wait final Wait a minute. Four. What did you just say? There's there's six. What did you just say? There are there's 60, 64, but 68. So there's four game. There are games that happen before the tournament actually starts to see. Then where they're not in the tournament. That they, doesn't they, make sense. They technically are. It's a weird thing they do it, but day before the games start. Hold on a second, D- Danny. Wait, Scott. Do you understand what he's saying? I, I mean, my my uh, dad is uh, uh, very into uh, sports, so I've been exposed to this. I've never taken an interest in it, much to his disappointment. Uh, but I, I, no, I didn't know about the extra eight. How, how many teams? There's, there's extra it's teams. Eight, it's eight teams. They play in four games the day before the tournament starts. And if they, it's two eleven. How long seats. has this been going on? This has been going on for the last like couple years, and this has been That's stupid. Two 11 seeds play, and then two 16 seeds play. And if you win, you get slotted in as a 16 or an 11 in a certain region. It's a good way for schools that are on the bubble. That they're slotted in. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole bracketology thing this guy from ESPN does. You know, you're the first four in or last four out, depending on where you are. It's really interesting near the end of the season. I mean, I'm a basketball junkie, but I can understand how it just sounds like a bunch of... And this adds to the education how. How does this apply back to the college... <laughs> Education. Yeah, I don't know if it relates to that, but it is. It's it's a big. Uh, <laughs> you got to look at how many quad one wins. University. It's a whole. I mean, it's a, it could be a whole class. How many quad one wins do you have versus quad two wins or quad three wins? What's your net ranking? How, what's your strength of schedule? What conference do you plan? How'd you do in your conference versus out of conference? It's a whole mathematical formula that I got to say the seeding committee got so wrong this year because there's no number one seeds in the elite eight, which is historic so will people lose their job over that uh people will not lose their job but i mean every year this costs the u.s economy millions of dollars in loss of productivity because people are too busy watching these games i remember in high school i wasn't even doing my science class work because i was too busy watching marsh madness on my laptop i mean that's just how it goes i think there should be repercussions for getting the seeds wrong i really don't think uh i mean it sounds like they're incompetent well, they are, honestly. I mean, they just overvalue the SEC. They overvalue the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the SEC, what has the Security and Exchange Commission got to do? This <laughs> ties back this, to stocks? This, no, the Southeast Conference. They're all conference oh. abbreviations. It's what <laughs> Alabama was the uh, SEC champions, and they lost. I mean, they play like that. You know, they're good in football, but in basketball, they're terrible when it comes to playing in March. Okay, where, where was the story that that woman decked the other woman, and now she's been arrested? What was that? Oh, that was a Memphis. That was an NIT game, I believe, on the women's end. Wait a minute. Who were the Knicks? No, the NIT. It's the National Invitational Tournament. You're thinking of the Nidney Lions. No, it's the the NIT is the National Invitational Tournament. It's basically a tournament for all the teams who don't make the NCAA tournament. Like my college, Hofstra University, they were in the men's NIT because they won their conference championship. But so the Knicks aren't the seeds, and they never have a chance at the Ovum. No, they, yeah, if you're in the NIT, you can't win the March Madness championship. You can win the NIT championship, which is something. But anyway, in, in the aftermath of that game, she apparently struck this other girl, and she was charged. So that Why did she hit the other girl? I think there was just bad sportsmanship on both both ends about that game. I mean, it's been a very chippy tournament season we've seen certain players blue chip shush the crowd. So this does go back to stocks yeah i guess it does you know blue chip stocks do you invest in these penny stocks i don't think it was a penny game so to speak it was a pretty intense so game. she decked this other girl and then she got arrested yes wow i maybe maybe i might have watched that just for 
I don't know. And and so this is sports in America. Anyway, who's so all right, let's cut to the chase. Who's the big winner in all of this stuff? Well, right now it's San Diego State because they are going to the Elite Eight for the first time in school history. They knocked off Alabama. The big winner, I would say, though, is Gonzaga because they're only a three seed, but they're pretty much playing for what many are saying is the championship when they play UConn in the next round because they're the What's two a best Gonzaga? Teams. Cheese, I think. That's a cheese. It's a school in the North Pacific Northwest coached by Mark Few. They've been very good. Over the past, and they're years, playing, we, and they're playing UConn. somebody from Alaska. No, UConn, not the UConn this, region. Alaska. University of Connecticut, the Huskies. I know it sounds like Alaska when what you say it Alaska like that. What is Alaska doing in Connecticut? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, you see, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game, but it's very, it's very esoteric. <laughs> I agree, it's very esoteric if you don't know what's college basketball doing in Connecticut. I mean, I, that was so funny. It's 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 interesting for me because I host and I produce a college basketball show at my college radio station, so I'm really you into do. this. Yeah, I was I hosted a, I, a March Madness four hour show about March Madness. Shout out to them, the guys that put it together this year. So we, I mean, I follow it. To well, the where letter. can people that actually follow this stuff find your show, Danny? On uh, eighty eight point seven FM WRHU at Hofstra University. That was uh, it's called the Baseline Fridays from three thirty to four thirty. That's where we talk about college hoops. Wow, Danny, pretty cool. You're an expert. Thank I, you. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'm trying my best to clear up any uh, confusion. It's it's not quite the sperm racing to the ovum, but it's it could feel like that because it's so chaotic. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Danny. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make fun of you. You, you know that. Yeah, and I know. Just, just, I, just... I know. I know. I was. I'm just thinking. Okay, I'm going to say Yukon and the Huskies. I'm. He's going to try and confuse that with like Alaska or something. And you did. So, I understand how you're trying to trip me up. I'm too good for that. <laughs> I know my college basketball. Yeah, and I know. I know seeds and ovum too. <laughs> so James, go there. He's nearly here with you. We're going to take your calls uh, very shortly. But before we do, I want to get back to this train thing for a minute. Oh, by the way, New Yorkers, uh, here's an alert. Remember how they told you that they weren't really coming after your gas stove? They lied. There's a big story in Politico this morning. New York nears deal to ban gas stoves in new homes. So if you're thinking about buying a new home in New York, you better do it quick because if you like gas stoves. Because Governor Hochul and these progressive Democrats that want to ruin your life and destroy the tax base in New York have now decided that you don't deserve to have a gas stove in your home because if you dare cook with a gas stove, why, you are hurting the climate somehow. This is the idiocy that is coming out of Albany. And, yes, it's real. This is not... And they're going to make allowances for restaurants for now. For now. But believe me, when they start banning stuff, they never get enough. It's an insatiable appetite. Now, I want to go back to this last thing we were talking about with Derek before the the trains. Because there's, look, I don't understand. We keep spending these trillions and trillions of dollars in quote-unquote infrastructure. Biden spent $2 trillion supposedly in infrastructure. Two trillion dollars, and yet we don't have train tracks that can accommodate high-speed trains in America. 
And the excuse is, oh, well, you know, we love our cars. Well, guess what? I love my car, too. But there's nothing like, if, if I don't want to take a 36, a 24-hour a, a drive somewhere, it would be nice to actually be able to put your car on a train like the auto train. Let's say I wanted to go to Chicago. Oh, no, for some reason. Or somewhere out there in what the left considers flyover country. What would be wrong with getting on a high-speed car, actually having um, uh, something that... Have you seen some of the trains that that are in Europe and Japan? These are luxury trains. You, that some of them even have gourmet. It's it's a wonderful way to travel. But in this country, we don't. Well, we have highways. Well, we have train tracks, too. You mean, why can't we actually step up into the world and have both? What's wrong with it? What would be wrong with having coast-to-coast train, a coast-to-coast train system that you can actually take your car along with you? You don't have to drive it. Or if you're moving from one place to another, load all your stuff, send it on the truck, hop, hop on a high-speed train, put your car on board, grab the kitties, get a room, and then a day or two later you're there, you get off, you're in your own car. I mean, we are so far behind in the eight ball. And I just don't, we're spending these trillions of dollars. What do we have to show for it? I, here's what I, I fear America is sliding. The, the lack of innovation in so many areas, it's like, I wonder if we're losing our edge. That's what I'm getting to as a country. I wonder if we're losing our edge. I hope we're not, but I wonder if we are. I see we have some calls on here. Uh, one call in particular gives me a chance to remind you of something, and that is on Monday, Dr. Naomi Wolf will be joining the program. Now, she is absolutely brilliant, and there are some things going on with this COVID business that we still need to talk about. Later in the week, Glenn Beck will be joining us. Cat Turd will be joining us during the week from Twitter, the big like massive presence on Twitter, Cat Turd, will be joining us later in the week as well. So make sure that you stick around for the Monday show and all during the week, most Snurley's Rush Hour. We're coming back. We're going to start with your calls when we get back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Do not go away. The typewriter font has now been replaced with sans serif typeface. The heart is a three-dimensional thing. It's now enlarged as if the heart has myocarditis. And they dropped the word I and put the word we in. 20 million freaking dollars to change the word I to we. 
The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Weekdays at 4 p.m. on 77 WABC. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Ah, Sade brings us back. America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, is coming up in the next hour. And she's telling me and via text that I'm missing out. Hoosier hysteria. I don't know what a Hoosier is. I've been hearing about the Hoosiers all my... What is a Hoosier? And who came up with a Hoosier? I think anybody knows what that is. What is it? Do you seriously... I mean, it's... it's. It, are you making a joke? No. It's a, it's a, some sort of it's what Indiana people call themselves, but I have no idea. It, it isn't a thing. I don't know. They just call themselves Hoosiers. It's the Hoosier state. What the hell is a Hoosier? I, that, I don't think they could tell you. It's an Indiana person. I don't know. Well, that's Rhonda when she gets around. What's a Hoosier? Not no. I, I'm sorry, and and this may sound elitist, and I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. I grew up in civilization. Well, I don't mean to sound elitist. I grew up in civilization. Okay, we had professional teams. We had the New York Yankees. We had the New York Mets. I I know I said professional. Forgive me. We had the New York Jets. We had the New York Giants. We had um, uh, who else? Um, um, Those hockey people, the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers. um, um, And then um, don't we have some kind of soccer thing here in New York? Yeah, we have two. We have New York City FC and New York Red Bulls. Wait a minute. That sounds vulgar. The New York City FU? FFC, football club. Oh. Oh, and then we but have... But I thought it was soccer. Well, uh, it's both both ways. Soccer. I, oh, they still the call people... it soccer, but it's traditionally, it's traditionally called football, so just the name, football club... But they say they they still obviously they're we're in America we still call it soccer here. You know? They're appropriating their, our football culture. <laughs> I mean, if you want yeah. to call it that. And so, so I never watched coming up. We had all these professional teams in New York, and New York isn't a big sports town anyway. It's really not when you think about it. Oh yeah, I yeah. Look at everybody. I remember getting to an argument with with a sports guy before because I said that when I was on the air in my earlier incarnation. But it's true. Madison Garden, we have like 25 million people in the big surrounding area of New York. And these little stadiums, they hold like 18,000 people. And sometimes they're not even sold out unless right. somebody's winning. It's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Now, I, went, I was over in the U.K. and I went to Wembley. That joint had 100,000 people. And they were full. I was like, man, i never seen that many people in one place at one time in my life. Blimey, it was brilliant. But <laughs> anyway, let's go to the telephones. People have been waiting. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. How are you, Ralph? Thank you for okay, waiting. Okay, thank you for taking my call. Well, right off the bat, I want to talk about the uh, hearing pertaining to TikTok, okay? And it was so heartbreaking for me to watch, you know, that family uh, and the testimony about, uh, you know, losing their son, like taking his own life because of uh, the influence of TikTok, basically. Okay? Now, you know, the Chinaman who was in that hearing, okay, 
Nobody has ever asked a Chinaman the question, who do you work for? Who do you, who are you working for? And Nobody. of course, he's working for TikTok. Who owns TikTok? Supposedly, the communist Chinese government owns TikTok. What are we going to do about it? Remember when Donald Trump tried to shut down TikTok? He was called a racist, a xenophobe, and all that. So now Joe Biden and the administration are trying to close down TikTok. Let's see what happens. I mean, after all, China is, has apparently the Biden family with a lot of money. So they're just going to sell it. This, that's, that's what they, when Trump was going after them, they're just like, okay, well, we'll just sell it to a different company. I mean, they're, they're doing the same thing now. They're like, well, if you really come after us, we're just going to sell it. I mean, it's not going to go away. It's just not going to be directly associated with the Chinese Communist Party. If they take TikTok away from America's children, America's children might actually revolt. Going to take it away. Okay. okay. Jerry in Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome. You're on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Thanks, Ralph. Jerry, what's up this morning? Hey, Mr. Snurley. I was just, um, you know, I haven't heard anything about Sharia law in about five years. And I was wondering what happened with that and looking at what's going on with our women in our country. You know, look how women are frowned upon in uh, in Sharia, and look what we're doing to our women now. There used to be a sacred, like sacred kind of reverence we've had for women, and I think that's gone. I mean, where's well, where's Gloria Allred to support that girl swimming against Leah Thomas? Where are all the women standing up against that crap? Okay, let me just, just say this. Let, let let me just say this about that. Sharia is. I'm trying to figure out what, how to articulate what I want to say about Sharia law. Sharia law, of course, the guiding principle of Islamic law, is in some instances misunderstood in the United States. And it's used as if it's, look, religious, if, if you look at orthodox religion, and this not not only pertains to Islam, but it pertains to almost any orthodox religious group. There are principles and laws that guide it. Now, from the West point of view, we throw around this word Sharia like we really understand what Sharia is. It is a lot deeper than meets the eye. I am not an expert in Sharia law, but perhaps we ought to have one one of these days. But I will say one thing, and you say that women are frowned upon in, and, and I've said this too, if you look at some of these um, uh, Islamic Republic nations, women are clearly second-class citizens by our standards. But then if you look at Western society and you see what we're doing to women, where now the idea that that women are not women, that a man can be a woman, you're absolutely right. Where are the feminists? Well, I'll tell you where the feminists are. The feminists are the ones who set the pattern for, for this all of this to take place. This breakdown in social order that is... Uh, uh, spread across not only the United States but across Western civilization has been encouraged by the progressive left. Where are they? They're pleased as punch that it's happening. 
Jerry, thank you. Very, very interesting call there, Jerry. Rick in New Jersey, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you doing? Good. Um, the reason why they don't fix anything and they don't give us the high-speed trains is the same reason why they don't fix sea level rise and droughts. You said it yourself one time. We can easily take salt water in from the ocean and desalinize it and use it for drinking, for fertilizing and farming, for all kinds of stuff. But if they fix problems, then they can't demand more money and more power to fix those problems. This is very true. And you look at nations where they're doing it, where they do active... Look at California, by the way, right now. Record rains, and you know what? I just saw a story the other day in the Los Angeles Times. Despite the record rains, despite the massive snowfall, in some areas of California, there are still going to be drought restrictions because they had no way to contain the water. That tells you all you need to know about infrastructure and planning in California. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurry, almost time for the morning dance. WABC Talk Radio 77. We're almost at the halfway point in our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. More of your calls coming up. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. We're coming back in a moment. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Okay, here we are. We're about at the halfway point in the program. So, almost a month ago, I played Morning Dance by Spyro Gyro, and... What an opportunity. This is an opportunity to get out of the chair. I usually sit up until then for the entire three-hour show. And by the way, at the end of the show, I have to run for coffee relief, if you get my drift. So um, it's like three hours of sitting down. No, no, no. So we played morning dance, and the idea was I'm going to get up and just like dance to the music morning dance always makes me happy by the way that's my morning dance song it's uh, this song has always made me happy every time i hear it i think it's one of the i I don't know it's just uplifting and so i said well you know what we should do some participation here all the guys on the crew they also sit down too and gals sometimes camellia's in other times it's avery they switch off and during course, and so we all need to kind of just get up and not just sit for the whole show. And so everybody has to participate. Everybody has this, can pick their song, but they have to lead the crew and the audience because we ask you two, those of you, to join us. And some of you do. Some people, like Miss Churchill out in LA, says, Why in the world are you doing this? This makes no sense. But we do it. Because it's a way for us to get off our butts and, and, and have some fun and to dance and to get some good energy flowing and all of that. And so we invite you at home, too, to do the morning dance with us. This week, our very own Avery, 
who is um, going to go down in history as probably one of the world's greatest playboys ever in history. In history. This week, Avery is leading the morning dance. And so, without further ado, I shall turn the Saturday morning radio extravaganza over to Mr. Avery. Good morning, Avery. Yeah, you got to talk. What's going on? Radio. Um, Good. It's time to do the morning dance. What do you have for us? All right. I took it back um, a little bit, and I was going to go Temptations, but I said, no, that's too far back. So I started with this. You, you, You should recognize it. Go ahead, man. All right, so what do we do now? What do we do? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm Can you hear me? Ruin, I hear you now. Tell everybody right, so what you do. I look funny. You, you, you take your right, you take your right arm, and you wave, and, and you go back around to the back. And then you take your left arm, and you go back around to the left. And you looking left, and you looking right. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, you ready? Two, three, go. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. So we're like windmills. Yeah. Okay, I we're understand. Like okay. And you rock it. Alright, there's a jumping part to it, but we're not going to do that. It's a radio version, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. It has to be. We're on radio. No, no, I don't see that. Okay, so we're still waving our arms. We're still rocking you're going, it. You're going back in the circle with, with your right and back in your circle with the left. And you rock right. it, and you rock it side to side. Side to side? Yeah. Oh, side to side, okay. Boom. 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 Hey, Scott, come on. Wave those arms, Scott. You're cheating. I have about two square feet to move here. Okay. People say you're Humpty. You're really funny looking. That's all right, because I get... I got some moves, yo. You're you can't do it. You all the girls, they adore me. Oh, yes, ladies. I'm really being sincere, because in the 69, my Humpty nose will tickle your rear. My nose is big. Uh-uh, I'm not ashamed. Big like a pickle. What is this we're listening to? Thank you. I was, I was, Scott, cool. Scott know Scott know what's going on. It's the Humpty Hump. Thank the you. Humpty Hump. <laughs> this is old school hip hop, right? Grab yeah. him in the biscuits. You said worse than that. Right? Oh. Is this some basketball stuff? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm tired. Okay, okay. That's enough. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wow. Thank you, Avery. <sighs> the morning dance. <laughs> that will get you moving. That was by Digital Underground. The Humpty Hump. Avery, uh, this is what you guys listened to when you were coming up. The Humpty Hump. Yeah, Tupac was in that group before he broke out. Oh, really? Yep. 
He was he was he started off as just a one of the dancers for the group. Is that how he started? One pack. <laughs> yeah, he was a back, he's a background dancer for the group. Then they 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 gave him a chance to rap, and you know he rapped a little for that group. And then he broke out, went solo. Amazing. Well, thank you. Enjoyed the morning dance. You did get everybody rocking and rolling. Thank you for on the doing the. I can't wait till some of our audience members tell members of their family that they were doing the Humpty Hump this morning. Yeah. Always. By the way, I'm just reading here that Humpty uh, died in uh, April of 2021. That was a tragedy. This was their big. This was their biggest hit. Who knew? I was all right. Who knew? Thank you very much, Avery. Morning dance. My turn next week. We're not doing the Humpty Hump next week either. Uh, okay, let's go to the telephone. Susan from the Finger Lakes. How are you, Susan? And welcome. Okay, Mac did get me moving. I, I've been, been a little crabby this morning. Um, okay, but you did the morning dance with us, right? I did. I did. Okay, so you did the Humpty Hump and got it moving. It helped. It yeah. helped. It always does. Music makes you feel good, and dancing always makes you feel good, too. You know what makes me feel good? Your beautiful voice. Oh, thank you, darling. And all the great things you talk about and that you're, I'm so happy that you're having, uh, I'm obsessed with um, Dr. Naomi Wolf. <laughs> uh, she that, is know? amazing. Naomi Wolf has a book out. We're gonna. Um, she has a book out on the Pfizer vaccines, I believe, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, you know, it's interesting now, these court cases are coming up that have basically found what we all know, that these mandates were not constitutional. They were against the law. So I am very hopeful, very hopeful that we will see lawsuits against the federal government multiplied. And I don't know whether everybody caught this story. Uh, the, The Department of Justice, your Department of Justice, is trying to shield Moderna from patent infringement lawsuits. They want you to pick up the tab if Moderna is found guilty, which is an absolute outrage. Go ahead, Susan. Okay, so, yes, uh, her book, I think it's The Body of Others, is and uh, the uh, Pfizer vaccine in the do- uh, documents that she and her team and lawyers are um, getting a- amazing and very troubling information. But there's something else that I heard her talking about that I'm also obsessed with, which is the World Health Assembly, the meeting that's going to take place again May 22nd, where they're voting on international health rules um, and that we have delegates, Biden delegates, um, will be uh, voting on these. And last year, they did make some changes, which are still not known to us, of how the World Health Organization and we would be under their mandates for emergencies, which could be anything, can be climate change, can be gun violence, can be, they can declare anything, even if they, it's a potential health. So she knows about this. And it's coming up again May 22nd. Um, where we need to get Congress, and there there is some congressional movement on this, but we need to really uh, have a huge outpouring because silence is consent. 
in that body, the World Health Assembly. They go through and they make they make these rules, and then if you're, the delegates don't say no, we don't agree with that part. If they just it, this is apparently how some things slipped through last year. Without this is what I have a question of- about. You, I keep hearing all about the WHO and how the WHO is usurping American sovereignty, and this is what I want to know. And I, maybe Dr. Wolf is not the right person to answer this. But we supposedly have, in this country, a process by which we make international agreements. And those international agreements are called treaties. And we're supposed to have a Senate ratification of treaties. They're not, we're not just supposed to agree to turn over key aspects of U.S. policy to any international body. This has to be agreed on with, with congressional approval, with approval coming from the Senate of the United States. So I would like to know very much, and, and also, let me just say for the record, that there are very often, there are conspiracy theories abound about how, oh, the WHO is doing this, or the UN is going to do this, or this group. This international group is doing this, and when you dig into it, some of the information at times is incorrect. So I do want to get an actual reading on what it is that the WHO is doing, but I also would like to know, and maybe what we'll do next time we have Dr. Roberts run from Heritage, is ask him about these international agreements, where Congress is on this, and what are we doing Susan, let me give you the last word real quick. Okay. This is a treaty that we're already under, and it is the international health regulation is international law. So it's not the same as the pandemic treaty. That's just a shiny object. This is the real effing problem that, it, that in one fell swoop, if we don't get on top of this by flooding Congress, and I think Biggs is involved with, with – it, it, it's it's massive, and, and Naomi Wolf knows about it because she's very concerned about that would create um, vaccine mandates. Okay, if they say we have to have vaccines up the yin yang, then it's international law. It's not going to be. It's not the same thing as the pandemic treaty, which is bad enough. So please ask her. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. We do appreciate it. Let's quickly go to William in Westchester County. William, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, James. Uh, I was a lazy bum in college. Instead of taking up uh, engineering, I took up uh, history. We have so much static on your line. Let's do this. Let me put you on hold, and let me see whether we can get a better line for you. Meanwhile, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. More of your calls coming up. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Be right back. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Aretha, celebrating the birthday today, the heavenly birthday of Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul. As I mentioned to you, New York 
despite all that you've heard and all the denials, New York State lawmakers are pressing ahead with this idea that they're going to ban your gas stoves in new homes. So this is your freedom. The freedom to have an appliance of your choice. Oh, by the way, there was a story yesterday. It's not just gas stoves. That's happening in New York. But there is congressional action underway to also revise the energy ratings on air conditioners. And some of the air conditioners that people have in their homes, especially the window units, are now going to also find themselves under attack from Democrats. This is not being done by Republicans. This is an effort that is being done by Democrats. Remember how they all, when I say they all, when the Green New Deal came out and everybody with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and everybody said, this is nonsense, this is ridiculous, and Democrats publicly backed away from it. They have not backed away from it. They are going full force into the Green New Deal. They are trying to deprive you, ladies and gentlemen, of your freedoms under the guise that you, cooking on your gas stove at home, you are hurting the environment. And therefore, you don't have the right to cook as you choose on the appliance of your choice. Now, natural gas is bad. It's a fossil fuel. California and Washington have already put the damper on gas stoves. They, they're doing it using building codes. Don't forget New York City. New York City has already, yes, thank you, Scott, has already done this. But now a lot of the states, the Democrat-led states, are looking to New York to actually take the leap. There are some exemptions, to be fair, for gas hookups, emergency backup generators, hospitals, laundromats, commercial kitchens. But outside of that, if you want a gas hookup, no, you can't have one. Let's go to Steve, Jersey City. Thank you for waiting. Steve, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning, James. This is Steve, the bass player. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, we've spoken a few times. Um, Absolutely. I want to take it. Hi, I won tickets Wednesday for Johnny Mathis, and you said my name, and you, you couldn't say my last name because it was so ridiculous. Uh, the spelling, you, you said, Steve uh, won tickets for Johnny Mathis. I love it. <laughs> um, I wanted to say, anything that's nice and convenient for people, the Democrats like to take away. Uh, James, did you ever try cooking a filet mignon on an electric stove? It's like trying Never. to... It's like trying to drink a thick milkshake through a paper straw. It's just, it just can't be done. Um, also, the, the biggest thing, and, and, you know, no matter what they ban and what they take away, the, it's, no, it's not going to stop if there is global warming, and that's because of two words, only two words, China and India. 
There is no pollution control standard. There's no EPA. They spew more gunk in one day out than we spew in a year. It's ridiculous. So, and, and they have no problem with that, which I do not understand. And third, you mentioned the, uh, the basketball courts on 4th Street. Yeah, um, West 4th Street, 6th Avenue. Oh, back in the 80s, I used to, I used to do a lot of busking in um, uh, uh, Washington Square Park. And I'd walk by the, uh, and you know who I used to see passed out in the corner? Jocko. He would have Jocko Pistorius. He would, Jaco Pistorius would have his jazz bass and he'd be out cold because he was so, it, it was heartbreaking. He was so strung out on heroin. And, you know, we would say hi to him and talk to him. And he was like, he was like on another planet. And the, the man was a genius, a musical genius. And yet, like, you know, like heroin destroyed him. It was just, it was heartbreaking. Just there totally was a great documentary on the life of Jocko. It was, uh, I think Netflix ran it for a while, but you can find it. And I'll tell you what, and, and it is it is an amazing thing to watch because they go through his life from childhood up through. He was an amazing, this is the guy, and I don't want to get too in the weeds for people that are not musicians, but this is guy that changed the game for electric bass players everywhere. It, when you listen to the way the instrument is used in music, there was pre-Jocko, and then there's after Jocko. Everything changed after Jocko Pistorius. He was a Florida musician. He died so young, but he was, as Steve here is saying, he was a genius. There's a documentary about him. And if you we play Jocko once in a while as a bumper. We, we'll play something from Jocko. Again, uh, just a genius. Just a genius. Steve, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Let us go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, welcome. You're on WABC. How are you this morning, Dom? Good. Yeah, good morning, sir. You know, the, the name Hoosier is from a, a contractor employed laborers from Indiana, and they were called Hoosier's men. That's where it comes from. So having said that, <laughs> just for the record, you know, both our boys worked at uh, restaurants as uh, busboys and invaders. They are now 32 and 39, very happy for what they did. So whenever we went there to eat, it was their mother that forced me to tip them at least 25% or else. Uh, or else. I still, remember, um, I still remember Rush saying that he tipped $100 to a valet parking attendant at a restaurant because he said that's the right thing to do when you can afford it. So a valet, I think, means personal man servant. Today, that would be autosized. So I'm not surprised that this waitress was pissed off about the 10%. You know, she's thinking, how dare you insult me by calling me a waitress that only tipped me 10%. So, but the larger issue is because our education system is raising an entitled society where the participation trophy is king. Any focus on winning or losing is racism. That's what gave us AOC. So well, we listen, have our this, own this, state rep. We do. Now, listen, Dom. Dom, listen. Uh, what you said about an entitled society is absolutely correct. When tips are supposed to be an appreciation for good service, and that's what that is how they were intended. And we also know those of you that have worked for tips, I've worked for tips, and many of us have worked for tips. But the word grateful should be as part of it. If you if you should be part of the discussion, and folks, what got this started? If you weren't with us earlier, there's an article in the New York. Uh, post this morning, a waitress, and of course this went viral, 
is complaining about European tourists who come into New York, and she's complaining because for a $700 meal, they left her a $70 tip. And she's complaining because she thought it should be twice that amount. And number one, the first thing that comes to me is what nerve. They are paying for the food and the service. Why should 20% of their bill automatically come to you? Because you are doing your job, which is to wait on customers. It's all about her. She's entitled to the 20%. And these rotten tourists. Well, guess what? Tourists don't have to come to New York. There are other places in the world that tourists can choose and elect to spend their dollars. In some countries, tourists are valued because people understand that tourism impacts the economy. When you go down to certain uh, nations in the Caribbean, there is an understanding that tourists are to be treated extremely well because they are the lifeblood of the economy, because they provide them coming and having a good time and willing to come again or tell their friends to come visit, helps provide for the economic well-being of the island. Well, the same in New York. We need tourists in New York, especially in these post-COVID years. And we need people to come here and have a good experience where they're not worried about being assaulted criminally where they're not worried about shoddy service. Gratitude. We should have gratitude for the people that choose to spend their time and their money and help this economy to grow instead of complaining that you only got $70 for waiting a table. It is an arrogance and a sense of entitlement that is unbelievable. But it is sadly believable these days. Our number duo in the can. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. We are the crown jewel of American radio. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Snow. We're coming back. Stay with us. More of your calls and more interesting news to go through. And America's Small Caffeinated Mom is going to join us in a bit. So just hang with us and don't go away. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number three on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are doing a ticket giveaway this hour. You, you will have a chance to win tickets to see Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, Jay Siegel's tokens at Carteret Pack, hosted by WABC's own cousin Brucey. I'll have a little bit more information when we're about ready to give away those tickets later in this hour. 
America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, is going to join us as well this hour. So much news left to go. In Michigan, a strike. This is, this is amazing. Michigan has struck down the right-to-work law that was enacted almost two decades ago. Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed legislation passed by the Democrat-controlled legislature to overturn the 2012 GOP law that allowed workers to choose not to join unions or pay union dues as a condition of employment, even if the union represents them in negotiations. Michigan workers are the most talented, hardworking in the world. Well, that's debatable. And deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. That part isn't, said Whitmer. Now, what this does, Rush explained this beautifully. The way the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party uses the unions is a money laundering operation. Let me explain it to you like this in shorthand. You have Democrats that pump money into the unions pump money into the Democrat Party. Every you see this all the time in the elections. You see the teachers union, which is the number one obstacle toward educating American children in public schools, the teachers unions. You have these other unions like the AFL-CIO that that spend a tremendous amount of money supporting the Democrat Party. They take money from everybody that belongs to the union, regardless of their political persuasion, and they decide, the union bosses, how that money is going to be spent. It's usually spent on Democrats. So what happens? Millions of dollars from unions are taken from union workers and handed over to the Democrat Party, at which point, especially if you're talking about government unions, and that is where the real growth is in unions, the only growth. Unions in the private sector have been losing members now for almost two decades. The growth area for unions are government unions, which even Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said were a bad idea to have the government negotiating with unions. And so then you have Democrats elected into office thanks to the money and the help and the bodies that unions provide. And then they negotiate contracts. And what do they do? Then they reward the unions with exorbitant contracts And in some cases, right now, with pension plans that will never, ever be paid for unless the government steps in. 
And Joe Biden and his administration, and this is not reported widely, have already stepped in to bail out pension plans for their union buddies. And we're talking to the tunes of billions of dollars of unfunded pensions across the United States. So the money goes circular. The Democrats put the money into unions. Unions put the money back into Democrats. And this is one of the ways that Democrats retain their political power through this money-washing operation. Now, right-to-work laws simply say, hey, if you don't, you don't have to be a member of a union. You don't have to pay these dues. And this is what unions found so offensive, that people actually had the freedom to say, no, I don't want to participate. I don't want to be in your union. And now in Michigan, once again, after 20 years of freedom, Workers for some jobs, like teachers, like others, are now going to be forced. We are going to force you to join the union. We are going to force you to pay dues. It's a form of taxation. And we're going to force you to do it, to strengthen the unions and strengthen the Democrat Party. This is naked politics. Dozens of House Democrats, moving on, are now hoping to extend worldwide access to abortion. They want U.S. foreign aid, that is the money that comes, all government money comes from one place, it comes from you, the taxpayers. They want to get rid of the law, the amendment, to the United States Foreign Assistance Act that Jesse Helms introduced back in 1973 that prohibited the government from spending foreign aid money on abortion. Dozens of House Democrats have now joined to try to make sure that American tax dollars can go overseas to abort as many lives as possible. Representative Jan Schakowsky, Illinois, nearly 150 House Democrats, listen to the name of this, proposed the Abortion is Health Care Everywhere Act. Let us translate that into what it really is. Terminating life in the womb is health care everywhere. That's what they're saying. Terminating life inside a woman's womb is health care everywhere. And, of course, you can't be a Democrat unless you somehow or another charge racism. For nearly 50 years, the racist, harmful Helms Amendment has barred U.S. foreign assistance from being used to offer abortion care Even in countries where abortions are legal, the United States should not stand in the way of health care and bodily autonomy in other countries. We shouldn't be participating in helping people in other countries terminate life in the womb. And what is racist, if there is racism, 
Miss Schakowsky, is the way that Planned Parenthood, in particular, the biggest abortion mill in the United States, targets minority neighborhoods and targets minorities for this life termination. To me, it is nothing more than genocide. That's what's racist. And let us keep in mind that Planned Parenthood was begun under the auspices of getting rid of black babies. That was the impetus behind it, eugenics, by Margaret Sanger, who thought that blacks were inferior and should be gotten rid of. Democrats don't talk about that part of their history very often. In Texas, two more migrants have been found dead, 13 others in a sweltering box car near Uvalde County. Crossed into Texas from Mexico, somebody called and let Border Patrol know there was a problem on a train. Somebody called 911, told dispatchers 12 to 15 people were experiencing symptoms of dehydration, were trapped inside a shipping container, 80 degrees outside. You can imagine what it was like inside this hot box. Two people died, Border Patrol showed up, stopped the train, The container was wired shut with these human beings inside. Two dead. This is the body count that continues because of Joe Biden and the Democrats' lax policies at our border and the massive human trafficking that is going on from the southern border of the United States of America unchecked. I don't know whether you've seen what's happening over in France. Almost 9 million people are in the streets. They're protesting. Because Macron, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, unilaterally decided, using special powers vested in him by the French Constitution, that he was going to impose the law that will make them work, French people, the French people, work two more years instead of being able to retire at 60, I believe it's 62, or either at 62, and now they have to work till 64, and in order to have government benefits for the rest of their lives. Working two years has upset the French nation so much. We have never had an outpouring like that in the streets over a single issue. Nine million people in the streets protesting that they might have to work two more years to contribute to their own retirement benefits. It's simply remarkable. There is a 
funny video on Twitter. Macron is being interviewed by on television. He has his hands up, and on one of his hands is a watch. Well, someone points out that this is a very expensive watch. Multiple thousands of dollars watch. Apparently, he realizes it, too, and realizes that this beautiful, expensive watch, while he's talking about the sacrifices that the French people must have to make, he's got this this, this magnificent watch on his hand. So the guy puts his hands down, and you kind of see him just a little bit fiddling under the table. But he keeps talking, and when he raises his hands the next time, the watch is gone. Like busted. I guess he thought nobody would notice. People notice everything these days. But I, it got me to thinking about something. I mean, how dare him ask the French people? How dare him ask people to work a little bit longer to be secure the rest of their lives financially? How dare him? Maybe what he should have done. It's just made it voluntary. I wonder how people would have reacted with that if Macron had said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We are running out of money. And by the way, the reason I bring this up is because we're going to have to make some difficult choices in America, whether you realize it or not, folks, whether you think it or not. We are $89 billion in debt when it comes to projections of what our Social Security and Medicare costs are going to be, $89 billion. The money is going to have to come from somewhere. So I wonder what he, if he should have done as you said, we're going to make it voluntary. We're going to cut benefits for those of you who want to retire early so that we have enough money. We're just going to cut your benefits to what we can afford. And for those of you that want to work the other the additional two years, you'll have increased benefits, or your benefits will stay the same. But it's voluntary. It's up to you. I wonder if he had done that, whether there would still be 9 million people in the streets protesting. You talk about entitlement mentality. It's not just the United States. This sense of entitlement has sprung up through Western civilization, and it is a dangerous thing. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, WABC. Coming back, more of your calls. We've got a ticket giveaway coming up. We've got America's small caffeinated mom coming up. Don't go away. 800-848-WABC on this, your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
Tom in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Welcome. You're on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Tom? Yeah, good morning. Freezing, by the way. Uh, but anyway, uh, so basically, uh, I just wanted to briefly touch on the politically, clearly politically motivated and shamelessly politically motivated possible indictment handed down uh, against Donald Trump. Now, but before I do, I want to ask you, um, because I, you know, I just want to get you know a gauge of what you're familiar with. Are you familiar with Dr. Paul Craig Roberts? No, I'm not. Okay. Now, he worked in the first Reagan administration as assistant treasury secretary. He's essentially the father of Reaganomics. He's an economist by training, but he writes extensively on the political abuses of our judicial system. Prosecutors using legal, legal instruments like indictments uh, to persecute people for political as opposed to forensic reasons. Now, the mm-hmm. reason why I'm bringing him up, the reason why I'm bringing him up is because Right now, there clearly is a concerted effort on the part of judicial authorities as well as law enforcement agencies to target people on the right, whether they're white, uh, Christian, uh, conservatives who are uh, you know, pro-gun, uh, against CRT madness or transgender madness, or you know, any of a variety of left-wing extreme ideologies. But clearly, people like the January 6th protesters, they're being targeted. They're being targeted for political reasons. And again, those people that are languishing, they've been there now for almost you know, going on three years. Hold, hold, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Let me just say this about that. I understand that that people on the right are being – we've talked about this. I've talked about this a lot. There's a two-tier justice system in this country. That's the way it appears. You can have people like Hillary Clinton who clearly flout the law, especially when it comes to classified documents. And she's excused. The excuse that was given to us by the FBI head then, James Comey, oh, well, she didn't mean it. Well, that's, and meanwhile, they, they, they do what they can to go after President Trump. We get that. And you can look time after time. Look at who's going to jail. Look at the poor old Roger Stone. I mean, this guy's harmless, but yet they sent like a, a full-armed SWAT team in C, and, and, and uh, uh, CNN to cover it down to his house to take him in like he's some criminal. You look at Paul Manafort, jail. Look what they did to Steve Bannon, jail. You look at the way they're going after people. Yes, I get that. But let us be really clear about January 6th. It is not just, and politics is involved, you are right, but it is not just a political persecution. These people broke some laws. They actually went in and vandalized the Capitol. I'm not going to excuse that. Now, Should they be held without due process? No, absolutely not. Are the sentences that they are being given much harsher than first-time offenders that have done worse? Absolutely. So there is a political component to the way that they're being handled. And some of them are languishing in this jail in D.C. where conditions have been described as terrible. But it is not just and only just a political prosecution. They should not have gone in. And I understand that some of them were ushered in. And that, and they, I hope their defense is going to bring that up as some more and more of these tapes. We had Tucker Carlson on the show last week, and he talked about the fact that this, the narrative that we've been told that they pushed past the police exploded. That narrative is gone. But let's also not, in an attempt to be 
fair about what happened on January 6th. Let's not sound like we're excusing the behavior that should not have taken place either. So I really appreciate that. As for Donald Trump and what he's going through, this persecution by Alvin, and it is a persecution by Alvin Bragg may very well backfire. If reports are true and there has been exculpatory evidence and that comes out, Mr. Bragg may find himself answering questions that he would rather not answer. I find it hysterically funny that Alvin Bragg is now claiming that New York's prosecutor is sovereign. Why, this is the good old sovereign citizen defense. I'm sovereign and you can't touch me. That's what they say the wacko right militias do. It's hysterical that he's using that. We have this pesky little document, Mr. Bragg, called the United States Constitution. And it specifies that there is an order of, hate to use the word because some people may take it out of context, supremacy. Federal supremacy over state supremacy over local supremacy. The feds have every right to investigate what's going on with Alvin Bragg in this situation, despite his claims of sovereignty. But we shall see how all this turns out. Donald Trump is going to hold a rally in Texas. As the Hill points out, while he is still under the shadow of possible indictment. Jim, Oakland, New Jersey. Welcome. You're on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley with you. How are you, Jim? Hey, happy weekend, James. Uh, listen, the, the tipping in Europe, tipping is not as big as it is here. And I'm a, I'm a tipped employee. I'm a retired Teamster guy, so I, I do tips now. And in Europe, they do not tip crazy like that. They get paid different than we do here. That's the, the issue probably with the tipping. Interesting. So in, in Europe, they actually... The waiters, you're saying, would probably earn more money, hence they're not expecting tips to be as large. Correct, correct. Well, all I know, and thank you for that, by the way. I do know, by the way, last time I was in Europe, I was in the U.K., I'll tell you what, it, London is an expensive city. You know, I love being in London. I love London. I love I love going to London. But London is an expensive city. I was supposed to, when I was over there, go to Paris, but I never made it over there. One of these days. Robert, in Suffolk County, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, Robert. Hi, James. Hi, good morning. TikTok and Congress. They're trying yes. to determine. They're trying to determine how much of a threat TikTok is. Well, how uh, much of a threat do you I, think it is? A big threat. I've listened to the hearings, and this is what I take away from it: they're hiding things, both at the uh, bite dance and TikTok levels. So, what Congress has to do is apply to the FISA court for a search warrant. And an armed federal marshals will go and seize all documents 
servers and other things where their facilities are accessible, like in the United States. Do you think that's going to happen? I hope so. I'm going to ask them. Do to you do think? It. Let me ask you. Let me put it. Let me reframe the question for you. Do you think under the Biden administration, where money has gone from the Chinese uh, government apparently into, or what we're being told, into the pockets of certain associates of the Biden family and then distributed through the Biden family, do you think the Department of Justice will actually seize the assets of TikTok and actually conduct a fair investigation? They're out of the loop because it's Congress. They have the power to do this. Meaning who? Meaning the House of Representatives? Meaning the Senate? The subcommittee has the power to do this. And you think that's going to happen? Security issue. You think it's going to happen? Yes, it can. Okay. Let us see. I'm not going to weigh in on my opinion. I'm just going to say I don't know. I'm not going to weigh in on my opinion. You think it's going to happen? Let us see whether Congress decides that they have the power to seize the assets of TikTok and demand a complete investigation. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, coming back. On the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. America's Small Caffeinated Mom coming up. Tickets coming up. In fact, let's do the tickets right now. Next Friday, March 31st, you can spend the evening with Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, Jay Siegel's Tokens at Carteret Pack, hosted by WABC's own Cousin Brucie. Tickets on sale at cataretpack.com, C-A-R-T-E-R-E-T, pack.com, or call for tickets, 877-T-I-X-C-P-A-C, 877-849-2722. But for lucky WABC listeners right now, I have a pair of tickets to give away. If you're the seventh caller right now at 800-848-WABC, the seventh caller, 800-848-WABC, a pair of tickets are yours. Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, Jay Siegel's Tokens at Carteret Pack. And it's hosted by our very own Cousin Brucie. Call right now, seventh caller. We'll have a wonderful time on March 31st. Call now. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. John from Ellenville, New York, will be going on March 31st. To spend the evening with Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, Jay Siegel's Tokens at Cataract Pack, hosted by WABC's Cousin Brucie. Thank you for the calls. 
Let's join America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Rhonda, how are you this morning? Good morning, James. How you doing, Rhonda? Out there in the uh, the, the, the the Hoosier the Hoosier State or whatever you people call that thing. Yes, uh, Hoosier hysteria because that's how Hoosiers feel about basketball. This is a state that loves its basketball. Um, so there's a lot more to do than just watch the corn grow. We play basketball, and I don't know, surely, surely you have seen the movie Hoosiers starring Gene Hackman? No. Oh, my goodness, James. How are we even No. <laughs> no. I, oh, it's so good. No. It's the, yes, it's the story of a no. little high school basketball team that went all the way to the state oh, house. Oh, good. Yeah, hey, listen. Whoopee. No, a listen little Rhonda, really, really, <laughs> a little small basketball team went all the way to the state house. Whoopee! Yes, and they won. Hey, and they won. Oh, and they probably listen. won at the last minute with somebody making an impossible shot who was never supposed to play the game ever, and it was just one of those things. And everybody's crying at the end. And whoa, they won the state championship. Woo! <laughs> Were you dropped on your head as a baby? <laughs> uh, that's based on a true story, but this is what I was trying to tell you. We have, I saw Rudy. I, I saw that movie, Rudy. Yeah, that's a good one, but you've got to watch Hoosiers. We have no. that. We're reenacting that right now. Our boys' high school team from here in the cornfields have never been in the state championship. Tonight, they are playing for the state championship in the state house. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. It's a very big deal. Police escort, town streets were lined. Police escort? Oh, yeah. For a bunch of high school basketball players? (laughs) So you never grew up in a small town, did you? I grew up in a civilization. I grew up in New York. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, it's a it's a. I, but I used letter. to visit. No, no, I don't want to be an elitist. I used to visit small town USA. My grandparents lived in 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 Alabama in a little town that you could like spit all halfway across the town. So I mean, I know what it's like to be in small town USA, and I love small town USA. Mm-hmm. I love the values. I love yeah. the people are nice. Um, uh, even people are nice everywhere. At night, you can go out and look at the stars and actually see the the sky looks yes. different. The air yes. is different. Yeah, all of it. My grandfather grew corn. My grandfather. I know what it's like. I've seen the corn. All that stuff. I appreciate it. But I grew up in civilization. <laughs> I'm sorry, we didn't get police escorts for high school basketball teams. Well, I'm sorry for you. But and I still don't know. And I still don't know what a Hoosier is. I can't even explain that. It's just what we're called, and so we just go with it. Yeah. Okay. It's an exciting time for our, our little town. But well, anyway, I, hope I, I, I hope your high school basketball team wins and that, yeah. and that you know, the state house is, you know, lit up in, in whatever the, the Hoosier mm-hmm. colors are. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then yeah. tomorrow morning, everybody can go back and shuck some more corn. Oh, that's funny. I we're still friends. I can't even believe that. And by that, the way, I and by the way, I shucked corn too. Yes. 
And 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 I knew how to do the, do that thing with the, the the beans where you have to take that little string and pull them down and mm-hmm. get the beans out. I'll, yeah. yeah. And then I was it's able a real to, thing. Yeah. It is. Well, we've raised you know, our four boys here. Yeah. Right That's around the cornfields. We go running past cornfields. We watch them turn brown. We watch the combines. We run past the combines as we're as they're uh going through the fields. It really is a, a lovely thing. So anyway, but what I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you know, I've been a mom for thirty three years. I can't even believe it's been that long, but I have. And if there was one thing, James, in my life that I ever wanted to get completely perfect, it was parenting. But I quickly discovered that I was never going to be a perfect parent. Uh, That wasn't possible, but that I could be a good one. One day when my oldest son was about eight years old, he caught me up short. We were having our own morning rush hour in you know, the bus was coming and in between where are my shoes and who hid my pants, he spilled pancake syrup in the carpet. And I felt my temper flare and I said things I should not have said. And I was stricken with guilt. But I turned, I thought, I cannot put this boy on the bus with my last words being angry ones. So I called him over to me and I said, the words that always change things, I'm sorry please forgive me. And those blue eyes looked up at me and he said this, it's okay. I knew you would say that. I learned two things that day that I could apologize quickly, that he would forgive me and our relationship would be restored that quickly and that easily. So we have practiced that, and believe me, James, we've had plenty of practice with having to own our parenting failures, going to our boys when we knew we had failed them or hurt them and saying, we messed that up, will you forgive us? And they have been so quick and ready to forgive. You know, nothing has exposed my fault lines. I don't know if you found this in your own parenting. Nothing has exposed my fault lines like having a kid. And nothing has given me greater opportunity for personal growth. So what we have done that I think has made us successful is we've taken charge of our own personal growth, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical health, all of it. We have not left it to our boys to lead the way on that. And that is something I really want to encourage other parents to do. That's one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is working on ourselves to be our, the healthiest, strongest, best uh, people that we can be, to show them how it looks and how it's done. And when we blow it, to admit that. Because that simple humility, it builds, it rebuilds a lot of bridges. That's what I've been yeah. thinking about. Of you, know, you know what, you, you really, you always come up with something that triggers me and or makes me think about something. I remember the last serious argument I had with my dad when my dad was still alive. And Mm -hmm. I was just so angry at him. And one of the things that that he he later apologized to me, and that to me floored me. Wow. Because my dad was like, number one, I always thought he was always right about everything. My dad was the best man I've ever met in my life. Mm Hmm. He was kind, he was smart, 
He worked hard. He loved his family. He was creative. He was, my dad was the best man I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, and, and for him to do that, what you're saying about forgiveness and, and being uh, unafraid to ask for forgiveness from, from your kids is really profound because it also teaches them. It, it's amazing when you learn as a child that your parents aren't perfect. That they that they are make mistakes too, and that I think that that's what what helps you understand that that human beings, no matter how hard we try, we will always be most of us at least anyway, always in search of perfection, but never there. Yeah, that we that this is part of the journey in life that we that we we have the ability to improve, we have the ability to do all, but we're not perfect. And it's amazing. When I look at, for instance, I, I get a chance to see up close the way that my great-nephew looks at my nephew and his mom. Mm-hmm. And the way that it, it's amazing to watch young kids with their unconditional love for their parents. Oh. And at the same time, working out their own personality, going through the whole no stage, going through the <laughs> think that they're the smartest things in the world stage. But still, it's all about unconditional love. And that's what yeah. that's what that's what is one of the things that we're blessed with the most in life, the unconditional love that we have for our children and the children can have for their parents. Yes. And it's a great relief to know that we don't have to be perfect parents to be good parents. When we can just sort of take ourselves off of that hook of perfection and allow ourselves to be the imperfect humans who have the maturity to own our failures, it's a great relief. And the more ease with which we can live our lives and the more peace in which we can live our lives, uh, the better it, the better relationships it makes. And it just eases the atmosphere in the home because if mom and dad are not uptight, then the children are not so likely to be uptight and filled with anxiety. So it's a privilege to model those things even imperfectly for our children. The boys have pushed me far beyond what I ever thought I, where I thought I could go to become a person I did not know I could be. That's what amazing. Gift, what a gift that is. And it is a gift. Rhonda, where can people find you? com, And of course, on the Daily BS, the essay will go on the Daily BS today. So James, it's just such a privilege. I just want to tell you how much I love being a part of the show and we have some of the, the sweetest listeners. I get notes from some of them sometimes, and it just makes my day. I am just enjoying this so much. So thank you. Thank you thank for letting you, me Rhonda. be Rhonda. You always today. bring so much real America and real values and real Rhonda. We love you, Rhonda. Thank you, James <laughs> Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, WABC. Sorry. Goodbye, Rhonda. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back. More of your calls right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. So I got a note in my text. Whose was a great movie? How come you haven't seen Really? (laughs) There There are a lot of movies I haven't seen. Sometimes it's just the title, and I say, nope, that one's not for me. Who knows? Aretha. Queen of Souls, celebrating Aretha's birthday today. 
Gracie, Gracie, Gracie. My Gracie in Rockland County. Hi, Gracie. Welcome. It's Saturday. Hi, Hi Bob. How are you? I'm all right, darling. How are you? Fine. I called about Soros. I want to make a comment about him. But I think I want to rent a room for a week with Rhonda so I could relax out in the Midwest with normal people. Whoa. All right? <laughs> I, I am, love it. I am so tired here in New York, and I, I you know, I, I don't want to leave because my all my friends are here. My son has lives in, in California. I'll go from the frying pan into the fire. So maybe she'll adopt me. I'm a really nice old lady. Okay, now as far as uh, uh, um, Soros and Bragg, now this is a plot. Now they're going to say, oh, we're right-wing extremists. Uh, I, I, you know, I see evil everywhere. But, of course, this has been worked on, the communists agenda they don't want everything immediately this is like for 50 years ago they're planning on this soros got elected all these district attorneys and that's where it breaks down first law with the district attorney so he doesn't care if um they uh you know they criticize him even if he gets impeached Soros will give him more money to live for the rest of his life. Why don't we have any uh, rich people on the right that have evil intentions? Maybe we could accomplish something. Oh, oh not with evil intentions. Oh, we, I have said this. Sweetheart, I'm being sarcastic. I know. But listen, you, you know what? We, we, we have people on the right that are really big donors. But I'll tell you one thing, and I've talked about this before, Gracie. On the right, we are not nearly as organized as the left. Not nearly. I mean, there are some great stories that have come out in the past few weeks. There's one in the Federalist about the bank that liberals use to fund their activities. Of course, there's George Soros. You look at their billionaire class with Tom Steyer, the money they put toward climate change. It's like we are being, the right is being encircled and attacked on almost every angle you can think of and one of the things that we have to do we all i i've said this before i'm going to say it again we conservatives all laughed ourselves silly when obama was running for office and remember what was said come on and if you were one of these that said it just put your hand up in the mirror and admit yeah i did that we laughed ourselves silly obama (laughs) Yeah, he's nothing but a community organizer. (laughs) He's a community organizer in chief. (laughs) Well, that community organizer in chief organized his behind up into the White House. And from there, those laws that he put in, we're still dealing with. And thanks to him, Joe Biden got a second political life, and we're still dealing with Joe Biden. The Democrats have been about and understand the principles of political organization much better than the Republicans have, and they've executed it. And it's not just, and Gracie, you are so right, it is the secretaries of state. I'm sorry, the attorney generals, but it is also the secretaries of state. And then he also set out to donate money to tens of hundreds, I say hundreds, I'm exaggerating, let me pull that back. Soros has also donated hundreds of millions of dollars into 
below the radar, meaning not the mainstream media outlets like the New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, but he has funded a lot of publications that are the feeder publications for news. And all the while, we sit up and we laugh at community organizers. We are so far behind as a political party. And just because Donald Trump figured out how to circumvent their system once, we thought, oh, oh well, no, we are nowhere near catching up to them. And we had better if we're going to be in this fight. Thank you for the call, Gracie. I love you so much. George, Mount Sinai. Thank you for the call. Thank you for waiting. What's on your mind? Hi, Bo. I, I want to bring something out to you that disturbs me. I worked in Jamaica, Queens for 35 years. I know the neighborhood pretty well. I know where you went to high school. I'm talking about St. Albans. Two of my friends, and I'm not giving the cliche, some of my best friends are black. I know these guys for 35 years. Excuse me, for 50 years. They lived in St. Albans. Righteous guys, pillars of the community, involved in the church. They are moving, not to Boca Raton, back to the rural south. And I was, you know, I was amazed. And they go, no, we want to go back where our family was from, where I can go to the church. I don't have to walk out of my house and worry about, you know, somebody shooting me or my grandchildren coming to visit me, and I can't let them out of the house. Now, you know St. Albans. It was a vibrant community with a lot of black middle class. And, you know, I'm just worried about New York. And I'm Caucasian, and you can probably tell from my voice. What's going to happen if a lot of, and then they said in the post, 7% of African-Americans have moved out of New York. What's going to happen in the black community if the righteous people move out? It's just terrible. It's just, I don't even, I like your comment on it. Well, number one, I think that the righteous people moving out of New York, be they black, white, brown, Asian, whatever, is a tragedy because of the reasons that they're leaving. And you pointed that out. High crime. The failure of our education department, despite a $32 billion budget, New York City still has 242-plus failing schools. If you look at some of the proposed legislation now, just talked about it earlier. Oh, yeah, you got Biden in the house, you can't have a gas stove. Time and time again, these progressives that run this city are turning this into an unlivable city for people that do have the means to get out. Now, what happens if the middle class, whether they black, white, if the middle class and the upper middle class decides, we've had enough, we're going to leave. The tax base shrinks. You have more and more people that are dependent on government moving in. And we're already seeing that with the influx of illegal immigrants, not into just New York City, but to every other blue city in the country. It becomes unsustainable. The Democrats never talk about cutting spending to deal with budget realities. It's always raise taxes, raise fees. So they will make it even more unlivable. And then maybe you'll get a Republican governor to straighten it out or, or, or legislature to straighten it out for a minute. But then people forget and they go right back to it. I don't want to be pessimistic. But this is what I mean by organization. And we have to organize as a party and go beyond ourselves and reach out to people and persuade them 
that this city is worth saving and actually hold some of these people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez into account. Look at all the jobs she killed from Amazon, and she and she's applauded for it. Do I give up hope? No. I am about hope. I do believe that we can turn America's cities around, but it is going to take a massive effort. They used to be vibrant. There's no reason they can't be again. Well, 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 my friends, we're at the end of the road for another Saturday morning. It is such a pleasure to have you here, to wake up with you on a Saturday morning. On WABC for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, thanks to my great crew. And thanks to each and every one of you. May God bless and protect you and your families. We'll see you Monday, God willing, for Boston Early's Rush Hour, 4 o'clock p.m. See you then. Bye. Entertaining and informative. I do know it's pretty hypocritical, quite frankly. You got half of the country addicted to porn, but let's not pretend. Oh my God, he's with a porn star. Oh my God, and that they're having a great deal of fun. That's part of the reason why they're doing this, why they picked this, to rehash that moment. Oh, by the way, there are plenty of guys out there who respect that. Greg Kelly, weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. before Rudy Giuliani on 77 WABC.